Or will we? Uh, no, we won't. No. <laughs> no. Just <laughs> kidding. <laughs> hey guys, I'm Nikki. We're glad you didn't ghost us. Today we are detecting the most famous unsolved mob hit, most commonly referred to as the St. Valentine's Day Massacre. We are throwing on our favorite bowler hats, jumping into the hashtag dick squad time machine and traveling back in time to February 14th, 1929 for this mob filled Valentine's Day episode, even though it's not Valentine's Day. So no, no, wait, don't say that because actually oh. this is going to be really fun a few days before Valentine's Day. Just kidding. <laughs> We're a couple days early. So that's that. I didn't know when this was getting released. Happy early Valentine's Day. Hey guys, Andrea here. Before we get to that, we've got to share our standard dick claimer with you. This is a comedy podcast, so if you're one of those people that don't believe crime, comedy, or paranormal stories go together, this is 100% not the podcast for you. Oh no, it's not. We also don't recommend this podcast for any minors due to our foul language and gruesome topics. Uh, that's true. The Lady Dicks Podcast is an independent podcast, which means we don't have a, any big financial back for, backers, which is actually good because then we also don't have anyone controlling our content, which is awesome. <laughs> it's controlled by yours truly. Uh, we don't have a network and pretty much we don't have any help. I don't know why I said pretty much no help. We literally don't have any help. <laughs> it's all no day. <laughs> um... And while we like it that way, it's a huge help to us when we have the support of our followers. So if you love the Dick Squad and you want to support us, you can do so by visiting theladydicks.com. Uh, you can go to those websites and you can use our affiliate links, head to the merch shop and well, get some new threads for yourself. Um, or you can send us a very welcome one-time donation via PayPal to storiesoftheladydicks.com. If you don't have any cash to spend on goodies and stuff, we totally relate uh, yeah, no, life sucks like no sometimes. Um, you can still support the podcast by telling your friends and family about us and basically anyone who kind of might sort of like us. Um, so yeah, you Literally can anyone. share away. Uh, that way we can, you know, grow our fan base a little bit and find more people to entertain. True stories. Because that's one of the reasons why we're here to dick around and entertain and have you. Some fun. And if you really love us, which we know you do. Hint, hint, wink, wink. Who doesn't love us? There's literally no one in this world that doesn't love us. (laughs) (laughs) I like to think I'm We don't have any negative reviews. Actually. We did get another good one. Oh, nice. High five to you. Thank you for leaving us a good review. We love you so much. I just saw that it was a five-star review. I just stopped reading generally. Watch, it's going to be like your mom. (laughs) Probably my mom. (laughs) She was like, oh, I haven't reviewed the podcast yet. But if it is one of you lovely followers out there who like us, thank you so much. And as I was saying. It definitely was my mom because she has no idea how to do a review. (laughs) (laughs) You love us and want to give us a five-star review on your favorite podcatching app. Is that right? Yeah, podcatching. Didn't we used to say podcasting? Well, sometimes we say podcatching and sometimes we say podcasting. Technically, they're podcatching apps because they catch the pods okay <laughs> it's an it just gathers your rsv i've just never seen that before so sorry i normally i, I think nicole says it and she's asked before mean to Maybe. question i don't you. remember i remember hmm. but um oh well then anyway leave us a five-star review on your favorite pod catching app along with a quick comment your comment doesn't have to say anything at all just tell us your favorite spooky vacation spot or Hollywood cry. <laughs> Chris, your favorite Hollywood Chris. I mean, Whoopsies. Christopher is a form of that name. But also Christ wasn't. 
Um, but leaving a comment helps bump those ratings. So just show us a little love. True story. And I forgot to add that you can also go to theladydicks.com and get on our mailing list because I nice um okay so in the words of matthew mcconaughey (laughs) (laughs) all right all right all right i love matthew mcconaughey i don't know why i was thinking about him when i wrote this but but you went there (laughs) i went there um that is more than enough business talk so let's get into this part spooky mostly creepy creepy and gruesome mob story see i told you you'd give up um, it was 1030 in the morning on Valentine's Day, 1929, in a garage in the Lincoln Park area of Chicago, Illinois. That one I can say. <laughs> Woo! Uh, sound the applause! Yay, yay Taylor! <laughs> <laughs> there, another episode I was working on last night, Massachusetts. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like, mm. Let's give oh, this to someone else. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, members of the Bugs Moran gang were hanging out doing mob-related stuff. What? <laughs> Probably stuffing gumball machines and counting cash. That's what I imagine they're doing. Maybe some killings, you know. Yeah, just a few killings. <laughs> Whatever. When seven members were gunned down in cold blood, the hit was arranged by Al Capone, famed mobster and guest star on our Eastern State Penitentiary episode. He does also see ghosts and is known today as being one of the most famous mob killings of the Prohibition era. Not only that, but it was um, it was this hit that put Al Capone on the mob map or even just like the general map. Um, But before we get into the details of the actual event, let's talk about some of the players. What was the Bugs Moran gang? Um, It was, or (laughs) hint, it was not the gang run by the famous mobster Bugsy Siegel, which it kind of sounds like it would be. That gang was Murder, Inc. And it wasn't really a gang. It was more of like a coalition of murderous, Dudes, I murder also for hire. Forgot yeah. to mention though, like last time when we were talking about Murder Inc. Oh yeah, that that is also a record label. Oh, it totally is, and I'm yeah. pretty sure they named it after that. Oh, 100 percent, they did. Yeah. Um. Anyway, Bugs Moran gang, not that. George Bugs Moran was a Chicago mobster and bootlegger in the Prohibition era America. He was born in 1893 in Minnesota to an Irish American family. And Bugs was the childhood friend and later right-hand man of mobster Dion Banyan. O'Banyan, I O'Banyan, think it says. sorry. Uh, when O'Banyan was killed in 1924, Bugs and his associate, Earl Jaime Weiss, <laughs> <laughs> super cute, uh, inherited this Chicago gang. And shortly thereafter, Weiss was killed. And in 1926, Bugs was left the sole leader. Naturally, he named the gang after him, because why the fuck not? If I had my own gang, I would 100%. Actually, the Taylor Har gang. (laughs) (laughs) No. So maybe I wouldn't. Um, In any case, after Weiss's death, the Bugs Moran gang (laughs) became embroiled in bloody warfare with with rival mobster Al Capone and his men. Capone wanted to control the Chicago gang activity and Bugs and his boys were the only ones sitting in his way. The Bugs Moran gang frequently hijacked Capone's shipments, killed his allies and provided competition to his bootlegging business. Alphonse Scarface Capone. <laughs> name is so dumb. Yeah, it is. Alphonse. Alphonse. I bet he got picked on when he was in school. Well, that's why he went with Al. Yeah. <laughs> Um, he was the leader of the rival Capone gang. Uh, I feel like his gang naming is way better because, like, the Capone gang sounds good. Yeah. The Bugs Moran gang sounds like he's just loves himself too much. Yeah. Like, the Moran gang, though, would be cool. Yeah. Anyway. Sounds like he's just, like, a, he's a an annoying tick or something. Yeah. True. Anyways. Um... He was born on January 17th, 1899 in Brooklyn, New York, the fourth of nine children. At 16, he became a member of the Five Points Gang and served aspiring mobster Francesco Lowell. 
Francesca sounds like a mob name. Yeah. Uh, at the Harvard Inn, a brothel saloon at Yale. Ooh, sounds like a good time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, it does. Prior to this, he flirted with the gang life, having been part of the South Brooklyn Rippers. Ooh. <laughs> 40 Thieves Juniors. Love that. And the James Street Boys Kid Gangs. That sounds not cool. <laughs> no. Sounds adolescent. Like, well, it is. Yes. The gang of delinquent Ju- children. Yeah. <laughs> that is bands of delinquent children oh, known for vandalism and petty crime in New York. So. I'm also not sure like vandalism and petty crime is like a gang thing. They like, just decided they were a gang because yeah, they I were tight. So. I don't know. It was know. also like the era of gangs. Well, yeah. that was like the beginning of their gang career probably it's where you started out before you got to the big leagues you gotta pad that resume you gotta start out with a little bit of vandalism you gotta get the taste before you start killing people yeah that's fair it's like a ladder you gotta climb and make your steps and i mean vandalism and petty crime are gateway crime (laughs) yeah (laughs) you sound like that officer that goes to like the kids school Vandalism and petty crime are gateway crimes to murder. <laughs> okay. There's actually like a huge gap between Just murder like, and vandalism, but like, whatever. Smoking pot is a gateway drug, and it's also a gateway to murder eventually. And if you smoke pot in five <laughs> minutes, you'll be addicted to cocaine. <laughs> sure. It's like reverse AA. You take your steps, only <laughs> it's to going yeah. to kill people. Except for it's the wrong way. Yeah, it's the wrong way. Um, but I guess it's technically their corporate ladder. Yeah. I you mean, know. gotta pad that resume. <laughs> uh, Capone's famous nickname came from a youthful scrape at the Harvard Inn when a young hoodlum named Frank Galluccio slash, uh, slashed him across his left cheek after Capone made a derogatory comment to Galluccio's sister. Well, I'd say that was warranted then. Too. Yeah. Bugs and Capone were head-to-head in Chicago, trying to kill each other for years. The massacre was a turning point in Capone's reputation. Prior to that, or... Prior to... Sorry. The event, (laughs) he had been seen by many as a pseudo-heroic figure, having taken over from previous boss Johnny Torero. Torero? I don't know. Torero? No. That sounds what Andrea said. (laughs) That's Torero? I don't know. In 1925, Torero was known for ruling with an iron fist, preferring to gun down his enemies. He retired after being seriously wounded in a assassination attempt in 1924, choosing to leave Chicago for Brooklyn. I mean, it is the more efficient way to get rid of people you don't like. Yeah. Sufficient. Um, the Capone gang made their money in bootlegging, gambling, and via running speakeasies. <laughs> Sounds th- like a great time. Yeah, well, <laughs> something to the tune of sixty million a year. And during the Prohibition era, that's a lot of fucking uh, money. Is that like yeah. sixty million today dollars or equivalent back then like dollars? Back to then sixty dollars. million dollars no. today. No, I think it's back then dollars. Yeah. So they were making sixty million back then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A oh year. Oh my god. But I mean, think about it. They're bootlegging. They're running gambling halls. Both of those taking big speakeasies. Cash, and then running speakeasies. It's not like they're running one casino, multiple. one bootlegging route, and one speakeasy. They're like, also all like not legit. Well, gambling is, but gambling wasn't legit in prohibition times either. So I don't think. There you go. Um. And in 1927, his net worth was an estimated $100 million. And that's just Capone. Uh, yeah. That's just, that's not his well, like l- little lackeys and whatever. Yeah, like. No, Capone is like, he was a rich dude. Yeah. He had a house in Cuba, I went and saw it. Oh, very nice. It's now a restaurant. Oh, <laughs> fair Did enough. Did you eat there? No, it was closed when we were there. We were just stopped by. Window shopping. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's beautiful. It's like a two-story, like, made out of stone. Nice. Like, beachfront. And you were probably the most excited person on that whole tour. I was 100% the most excited. (laughs) My family thought it was cool, too. And my dad is into, like, he likes mobsters, too. The Godfather is his 
probably only movie series he likes. But Let's be real. Every man your dad's age, yeah. that's like what they grew up on was like they would, those. They quote The Godfather. Yeah. So Constantly. 100% can see that. Uh, anyways, after the Valentine's Day Massacre, Capone was dubbed public enemy number one. Which, isn't that, oh no, that was the Johnny Dellinger story. Because I was thinking there's public enemy number one in the movie where Johnny Depp. Like, yeah, no, that's officer, John that's Dillinger. Dillinger. Yeah. Uh, and the newly elected President Hoover was urged to provide federal assistance to tackle the increasing mob crime activity in Chicago. The FBI began to investigate Capone after he failed to appear before a grand jury after being subpoenaed in March 1929. Oopsies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Oversight. Oh, that date? So sorry. I didn't realize I had a doctor's appointment. <laughs> yeah. Whoopsie doopsie. So he Can was... we rebook that? <laughs> <laughs> how, about, how about next Tuesday? Does that work for you? Oopsies. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, you know what? Come to think of it, next week's looking a little bit... Uh, you know what? I am booked solid for the next, like, six months. I've got so much stuff. We're opening a new speakeasy. I mean, cafe. <laughs> 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 and uh, we have the uh, Walmart. This is no Walmart. Yeah. And we have the department store opening. And we've got to flush some cash in there <laughs> for the card carriers to sell <laughs> players cards so, <laughs> super big deal and then i also have to run some uh, distilled water <laughs> up to canada <laughs> so um if you don't mind like july might needless to me. say the next six months are looking pretty ugly <laughs> super bad for me yeah uh so naturally <laughs> he was arrested again a few months later in philadelphia for carrying a concealed weapon Oopsies. Because mobsters don't carry weapons. No. <laughs> Capone served and they nine months. don't conceal them. No. That shit's, like, visible. It's like, you want to see my gun? It's right here, bitch. Try it. Try it. <laughs> Try I me. dare you. Try me. Um, so he served nine months and was released due to his good behavior, even though he was probably still running his businesses from jail. But I feel like he would be a well-behaved prisoner. Yeah. It's not like he's going to go, like, shank some guy in prison. Well, they probably no, are all he scared of him because they know who like he was. Drug he was operation also probably and, like, getting someone else to shank the guys in prison. Oh, well, 100%. He was probably, like, selling drugs and booze and... True. He you protect me, like I'll pay prisoner. you. Live in the highlight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, they did say when he was in Eastern State that he got whatever he wanted. Like, Money goes a long way. Like, decked out. So. Yeah. Then in February 1931, he was found guilty on his early contempt of court charge and sentenced to six months in jail. Then again, on June 12th, he was charged with, quote, conspiracy to violate prohibition laws. Whew, go figure. For <laughs> operating his bootlegging operation between 1922 and 1931, even though it was probably still an operation. Yeah, I'm sure it was way um, And that same month in 1931, he was also indicted on 22, uh, 22 counts of federal income in- evasion. <laughs> Actually, that's what, like, got him. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. Uh, he was convicted in October and sentenced to 12 years. He was first sent to Atlanta before moving to Alcatraz. Uh, Frank Nitty, 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 I don't know, Nitty, sure. uh, became the outfit frontman for the Capone gang in 1932. Alcatraz is also on our list, and it's an episode that I've already started. Ooh, it's so much fun. There's so many ghost stories in Alcatraz. Ooh, I love it. Now that we have some idea of the players, let's get into the actual incident. As we mentioned, it was 10.30 a.m. on Valentine's Day, February 14th, 1929, and members of the Bugs Moran gang were gathered at a Lincoln Park garage at 2122 North Clark Street in Chicago. (laughs) In an attempt to rid Chicago of the Bugs Moran gang, Al Capone ordered Jack Machine Gun McGurn to run a hit on the garage that was used by the gang as a makeshift liquor store to head their to head their bootleg operations. I do feel like if I was a hitman, Jack Machine Gun McGurn would be like a sweet name. Uh yeah. I'm into that. And his last name kind of sounds like Machine or like Gun almost. Taylor Pistolhar. No. <laughs> 
No, that's not good. <laughs> I take that back. Capone's man, Machine Gun McGurn, picked four gunmen, though some reports say there were five from outside of the Chicago area. So if there were any survivors of the shooting, Bugs men wouldn't recognize them as being part of Capone's gang. Although, wouldn't they recognize Machine Gun? I feel like they would. Whatever. Perhaps, probably, but maybe he didn't really care. Yeah, maybe he didn't go in. Like, maybe he hired them to do it, and he was, like, the supervisor. He was, like, the project manager of the hit. Maybe, or maybe, um, I mean, he could have, like, there's criminals. Or maybe he was just a general hitman for hire, like Murder, Inc., and so you don't really know who he works for. Well, and there's criminals that are well-known to the authorities, but, I mean... Everything's crooked, oh, right? I was actually corrupt, more thinking, so. I was less thinking, because they're mobsters, they're not going to tell the police who did it. They're going to do it themselves. Like, I was thinking of a retaliatory hit, you know? Right. They also hired lookouts and set them up in an apartment near the garage. Machine Gun McGurn also acquired a stolen police car and two police uniforms. Very nice. So like hmm, I, I wonder it, how he did that. But like I said, everything's corrupt too with these guys, I right? Also like why they he only have got two. deals with people. That's true. I just wonder why he only got two police uniforms. I'm sure that it was very strategic. <laughs> I don't know. He also had a local booze hijacker to contact Bugsy the day before and tell oh. him not Bugsy. Okay. Sorry. It's all right. Uh-huh. There. It's Bugs. That's why. Oh, right. He also had a local booze hijacker to contact Bugs the day before and tell him he had a shipment of old log cabin whiskey and he was willing to sell it for $57 per case and to meet him the next morning at 10.30 a.m. at the garage to do the deal. Huh. Clever. On February 14th, when the lookouts told the gunmen that Bugs had arrived, the four gunmen that are technically not officially identified, but are known <laughs> to be Fred Killer Burke, John Scalise, or Scalise? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Albert Anselmi, and Joseph Lorado. Lorado. <laughs> I like Lorado better, but whatever. Yeah. I guess it's not his last name. <laughs> We're going to change it for yeah. the purposes of this story. <laughs> now Joseph Lorado jumped into the police car with two of them in uniforms, because there were only two, and pulled up to the garage. Bugs' men thought it was a routine police raid, so when the gunman told them to line up facing the wall, they complied. The gunman had two Tommy guns, a sawed-off shotgun, and a forty-five, and they used them to shoot the seven men who were lined up against the wall. Each of the men received at least 15 bullets. Holy shit. Yep, they just went guns a bullet. in the head and torso. Neighbors who witnessed the event after hearing the submachine gun looked out the window to see two policemen walking behind two men dressed in civilian clothes with their hands up. Ah, that's how they did it. I told you it was strategic. That's fair. They simply assumed it was a typical raid and the men were being arrested. And for weeks afterwards, people actually thought the police were responsible for the mass killing. They might have been. (laughs) Well, they probably were... In cahoots with them. Yes, yes. We'll say. Exactly. Unfortunately for Capone, Bugs had not yet arrived, having left his hotel late that morning. It's believed that the lookout and subsequently the gunman mistook one of Bugs' men for him. Oopsie daisy. (laughs) Oopsie doopsie. Shit. Was that not him? Oh, God. Jeez. That's a real big fuck up right there. Shit. Not getting that bonus this year. (laughs) You're lucky if you're going to (laughs) live. Yeah. Run and hide. In fact, the man that was mistaken for Bugs was Albert Weinshank, as they had similar mannerisms and qualities and dressed the same. Bugs actually arrived a few moments later, late to the meeting. How fucking convenient. (laughs) But noticed the police car and thinking it was a raid, but noticed the police car and thought it was a raid and left. (laughs) Oh, Okay, so there were seven victims of the St. Valentine's Day Massacre. Peter Goosenberg, a.k.a. Goosey, he was 41 years old and a frontline enforcer for the Moran organization. Right, oh yeah, when I was researching this, they referred to them as the Bugs Moran Gang and then also the Moran organization, so... That was their probably legit, like... 
their what showed up in their corporate tax. Yeah. Moran <laughs> Organization LTD. Yeah. <laughs> Inc. Inc. Um, Frank Gutenberg, uh, Gusenberg, a.k.a. Hawk, 37. He was the brother of Peter and, it, and also an enforcer for the Moran Organization. Albert Kashalek. Kashalek. Yeah, that makes sense. Alias James Clark. <laughs> okay, makes sense. <laughs> Uh, he was 42. He was the brother-in-law to Bugs and second in command of the Moran organization. So they did take a big hit. Adam Hayer, he was 42 and he was a bookkeeper and business manager uh, for the Moran organization. Reinhardt Schwimmer. Any relation to David? Yeah, I was just going to say. <laughs> Don't think so. Maybe. He was 31. He was an optician who abandoned his practice to gamble on horse racing and an associate of the game. Basically, Sounds like a good plan. He was a groupie. <laughs> That's what he was. He just happened to be there grouping around. Um, Albert Weinshank. This is the guy who looked like Bugs. Uh, he was 37. He was also a business manager who managed several cleaning and dyeing operations for the gang. Um, yeah, this is the guy who was... He cleaned up the bodies. Yeah. <laughs> or managed it. Several cleaning and dyeing operations? Oh, yeah, I guess that could be that. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. could be That could be their legit, and it's really, it's like, They're like ooh, so this guy's like, company. you know, go clean up the crime yeah. scene before, you, you know... Before they arrive. Uh, and finally, John May, he was 36 and he was an auto mechanic, probably the only guy who was supposed to be at the garage because he sounds like me, sounds like a guy who would work there. Um, anyways, he worked for them as an auto mechanic. His dog, Highball, was also there. Poor Highball. He was leashed to the axle of the truck of the garage during the shooting. This the, is like the saddest part of the story. Or is it? Because the only survivor of the St. Valentine's Day Massacre was Highball, but the German reading. Shepherd. Yeah. It's sad. It's still sad. Oh, it's very sad. I mean, a lot of people died, so I that's mean, a I'm big deal. I mean, I'm really glad he survived. I, well... No, he... Keep, keep reading. Oh, yeah, you're right. I forgot about this. Yeah. <laughs> Whoopsie dipsy. He was found tied up and trapped under the beer truck, covered in blood and shell casings. And unfortunately, due to the trauma caused by the event... Highball was put down shortly after. Sorry, guys. I thought it was a great ending. And no. then I forgot it had a shitty ending. <laughs> um, six of the victims died at the scene. Frank Gusenberg was taken to the hospital, but died three hours later. When he was questioned, oh, while he was questioned by police, he refused to name the responsible party saying, <laughs> quote, nobody shot me. <laughs> what? There's about probably 15 <laughs> bullets in you. So like, what are you talking about? I haven't been shot. Um, it was reported <laughs> that some of the victims of the scene had their heads, arms, and legs severed. Mm, lovely. Mm-hmm. Disgusting. So. I do like that his response was, nobody shot me. Yeah. Like mm, Most gang members, though, if they're questioned, time, it's like, smart um, I don't know what you're talking about. Nobody was there. Nobody, like, talked to me. Like, <laughs> but I feel they like won't throw <laughs> other gang members under the bus because that's, like, probably against gang code. True, but I also feel like Speaking to he the pigs. What was something else other than nobody shot me? <laughs> hey, this guy was like dying. Like, are you sure? Because mm, you seem to have like a hole around this whole top area of your body. Al Capone was the number one suspect. What? what? <laughs> but was never tried for the crime. Go figure. Capone had an airtight alibi as he was in Florida during the massacre. That's because he got his people to do it. Uh, yep. It was Duh. especially good because he had been called in for questioning by the Dade County Solicitor's Office. <laughs> so he's literally sitting with the uh, DA while they were being murdered. Yeah. That's great. Machine Gun McGurn had what's known as a, quote, blonde alibi. Ooh. He was at a hotel with his blonde girlfriend from 9 p.m. on February 13th to 3 p.m. on Friday, February 14th. I'm sure he was. Yep. She a liar. <laughs> Fred Killer Burke was 36 at the time. He was a mobster who operated in St. Louis, Detroit, and Chicago. After the massacre, he went to rural Michigan to hide 
10 months after the massacre on December 14, 1929, he was involved in a car accident in St. Joseph, Michigan. He was known as Frederick Dane at the time, so another an alias. Mm, yep. Uh, I mean, if you're hiding, obviously, you Makes need one. Sense. Patrolman Charles Skelly attempted to intervene in the accident, but Burke shot him dead and took off. Oops. <laughs> he wrecked his car, but stole another one and got away. Police searched his uh, home and found an arsenal of guns that included two Thompson submachine guns, a.k.a. Tommy guns, which were used in the yep. uh, massacre. They, I feel like they all had Tommy guns. Oh, though. probably. He which ran. Kind of cool. The you Tommy know, like, guns, bad, the like, gangstery like, sort of way. Like, I think so, got, like, yeah. Because yeah. that, well, we'll talk about the Mob Museum later, but at the Mob Museum, they have Tommy guns replicas that you can hold. Yeah. And they're really heavy. Oh, fuck yeah. I mean, but that's. That's what they had. That mm-hmm. They were prevalent they in do mob look history. They like, cool mobby, though. They do. I mean, cool is a gruesome word to use, but it's true. Yeah. They do look very cool. It's very in, like, fascinating. The there is something cool about the mob. I mean, true. not all the killing and stuff. Classic but mob, not like gangs today. Yeah. Yeah. He ran to Green City, Missouri, and married a 20-year-old nurse named Bonnie Porter. On March 26, 1931, he was arrested and later that year convicted of murdering the Michigan police officer. He spent the last nine years of his life in prison until he died at 47 of a heart attack. He died young. I guess maybe not at that time. It's still kind of young for that time, but I mean... I mean, if he wasn't... He was in jail and healthy, like, you know... Shit happens. Fair. Genetics? Yep. Uh, oh, it's still me. <laughs> Obviously. I was like, I'm done. Still no. you. <laughs> Giovanni John Scalise, uh, 23, and Alberta and Alberto, Alberto. not Alberta. We're, <laughs> we're in Berta. We're in Berta. <laughs> Alberto uh, Inselni, yep. 46, both from both originally from Sicily. Ugh, got hair in my mouth. <laughs> uh, both were known as, quote, cold-blooded Sicilian killers. Ooh. John came to America via his aunt, Antonia Magnolorde. Yep, that, who lived in Chicago. Alberta illegally... Alberta, fuck! <laughs> what the hell? Alberto... Illegally entered the U.S. around September 1924. Italian authorities put out an arrest warrant for attempted murder and associated with outlaws in 1927. He spoke poor English. The two were known as the Killer Twins. Later in 1929, the Killer Twins were conspiring to take over Capone's gang. Unfortunately for them, he found out and they were killed on May 7th, 1929 at Ah, a fancy banquet that was, quote, (laughs) <laughs> Described as the Academy Awards for Gangsters. Love it. <laughs> Best hit goes to. <laughs> Mr. Al Capone. Congratulations, Al. <laughs> and they were um, killed along with a third man. They were beaten with a bat by Capone and shot. So, you know, after Capone got his award, he's like, well, I guess I better start racking it up for next year. Guys, this is the meeting afterwards. Guys, I'm really happy that we won Hitman of the Year awards. I think it was fantastic. I think our team can do better next year. Um, I know we did 26 this year. I would really like to see hit like a hard 30. (laughs) Everyone's like, yeah, go Capone, go Capone. And it's like this big, crazy thing. It's like the afterward. Yeah. It's like, well, we better start now. You three. Yeah. You're conspiring against me. You did. Yeah. And actually, speaking of which, we have a special presentation tonight. Um, I found out these three assholes are conspiring against me. So, uh, come up to the stage. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone's like partying. Get me my bat. And then like they drop balloons. Yeah. (laughs) Confetti. (laughs) All right. Who wants cake? (laughs) Got blood all over. Cake time. (laughs) Obby. I got ice cream. (laughs) 
And then after, well, let's have some scotch on the terrace. Yes, yes. And some, <laughs> smoke some Cuban cigars. Yeah. Um, Joseph Lalordo's brother, Pasquili- Pasqualino, Pasqualino <laughs> uh, had been killed on January 8th, 1929, by the North Side Gang. He dropped out of sight after the massacre and remained at large. Spoiler I don't know, alert, pretty sure he's dead. I don't know if I explained this, but these guys are all the suspects. But uh, oh, yeah, so I that, think you did say that at the beginning. Okay, I might have said that, but in case you're you know, <laughs> wondering the, why, why are we listing out people? all these guys, they're the suspects of the massacre. So, anyways, um, you've got two more, you're at James Ray. Did I finish? No, no, I no, I mean, like the Joseph Lordo, yes, because I said spoiler alert, he's still on the or he's probably dead. <laughs> Which is true. Oh, yeah. So his brother, yeah, his brother was killed. He dropped out of sight and remained at large. I don't think I said that part. Yeah, you did. Oh, okay. Just kidding. I promise. James Ray and Joseph Guinta were also suspected of being involved. Only Guinta was never taken into custody. Was was taken into custody, uh, but released due to lack of evidence. Hmm. Jack McGurn, Frank Rio, and Frank Frigenti. Or Frigenti. Frigenti. I don't know. And even the up-and-coming Tony Accardo had been all suspected of taking part, taking part in the massacre. So there was lots of guys that were just like, well, it could have been this guy, could have been that guy. I think, I mean... The Capone gang was really big, so he probably had a huge team of yeah, absolutely. That it's he like could have pulled on yeah, and some of the guys might have been involved in the planning, and then only certain guys went and actually did the shooting yeah, and yeah. Anyways, those are those are your suspects who might have done might it. have uh, been involved. Most likely, were involved <laughs> in some capacity. True. This was one of the first major crime investigations where the science of ballistics was used. Though it didn't do much since no one was ever <laughs> tried and convicted of the Although murders. there might have been some payoffs happening. Yeah. And maybe. Maybe some lost evidence. Who knows? So very convenient. Bugs was quoted saying, only Capone kills like that about the crime. Similarly, Capone said, the only man who kills like that is Bugs Moran. <laughs> so, jury's <laughs> out. I guess they both do it? I guess so. <laughs> the crime continues to be a figure for the city, even though the scene of the crime was destroyed in 1967. The Valentine's Day Massacre led to Bugs' diminishing role as figurehead in the Chicago mob scene, leaving Capone to oversee the city's activity. Which was his point all along. Obviously, he wanted to be Even the mob king. Even though he didn't get killed, he still pushed him out. Yeah. By killing all his head guys. So I much. mean success. Yeah. Yeah. Depending on how you look at it, I guess. But yeah. yeah. I mean, it was a success. the hit was not a success. Yeah. The overall plan <laughs> was right spot on. Bugs' gang dwindled their operations in the 1930s, and Bugs left Chicago after Prohibition ended. He was arrested in 1946 for some small-time bank robbery work, <laughs> and he ended up dying on February 25, 1957, with a measly $100 to his name at a penitentiary in Leavenworth, Kansas, at the age of 61 of lung cancer. That's actually super sad. Like, That's I very mean, sad. He was a really shady dude. That is not lost on me. But from it's going from, like, sad. a huge, like, top of his industry to having $100 to his name in prison at 61. I mean, that was pretty old. But yeah, true. I mean, it doesn't seem old now, but. No. And it was all those cigars he smoked, for sure. <laughs> Capone died on January 25th, 1947 in Palm Island, Florida, after years of being sick. At the time of his death, his mental health had deteriorated. He suffered from a stroke a few days earlier before contracting pneumonia and suffering from a cardiac arrest. He died at home surrounded by his family. I think the thing about Bugs' death to me that sounds so sad is the fact that he was alone in jail. Yeah, no, it was totally versus sad. Versus Capone, who was surrounded by fa- friends and family. It sounds like he had a horrible death, but... didn't Wasn't it Capone? I thought it was Capone who like ended up having some complications from an STD. 
like I don't know, actually. I thought he did. Well, it said his mental health had deteriorated, so it's entirely possible because yeah. that's what happens. Yeah. Um. All right. So what you're really here for, besides that great mob history lesson, <laughs> is the paranormal activity. Ooh. Yay. So 20 years later, in 1949, the front half of the garage was turned into an antique furniture store by people who had no idea of the building's history. Like we said, they it was destroyed in 67. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So this is before it was destroyed. Um, however, they moved in because, uh, however they moved their operations because there was just too many tourists in the area. So I'm guessing they found out what happened in 1967. The building was torn down, but the infamous wall of bricks was saved. It was purchased by a Canadian businessman who used it in a nightclub in 1972, where he built it into the men's restroom. A few of the bricks were smuggled out by workmen who tore down the building and, in place of the building, a fence lawn from a nearby nursing home was, crea- uh, was created. Five trees were planted to mark the place where the wall once stood and obviously to, I guess, commemorate the people. I don't really know. Anyway, so you can go visit the trees. <laughs> <laughs> the location has been known has known to been haunted for years. Unusual lights and mists have been reported along with male voices the sound of screaming men and machine guns firing are also reported. Unless that's the current Chicago mob. <laughs> I assume they still operate. We should have a ton of listeners in Chicago. Just as a side note. No, I recall that actually. Which is kind of cool. So hi guys in Chicago. Tell us how your experiences with this weird place have been. Anyway, people who are quote sensitive uh, that stand in front of the fence lawn or walk by it report developing a sense of real fear. Animals also have had poor reactions to the area. The bricks are said to bring bad luck. As legend would have it, after the nightclub outlived its purpose, the bricks were sold individually for $1,000 a piece. However, many of those souls were given back because the new owners suffered a rash of bad luck. Other reports say that the bricks were not sold individually, but kept in a packed box numbered with a diagram so they could be put together. I actually suspect that the second thing is correct Mm -hmm. because the wall, as we're about to find out, still stands as the wall was and they did put it up brick by brick. Although I wouldn't be surprised that some of the bricks were sold for a thousand people dollars piece yeah um the wall currently sits in the mom museum in las vegas nevada it's reported that the entity of james clark moran's brother-in-law started to haunt capone we talked about this in um the eastern state episode if you recall capone tried (laughs) to send send the entity quote, to the other side, unquote, with the help of medium Alice Britt in 1931, but it didn't work. Not long after they tried to get rid of the spirit, did Capone's personal valet, Jaime Cornish, believe he too saw the ghost. (sighs) According to his story, he entered the lounge of Capone's apartment and spotted a tall man standing near the window. He demanded the identity, but the figure slipped behind the curtain and disappeared. While in prison at Eastern State Penitentiary, inmates reported that they could overhear... Capone screaming, begging Jimmy to go away and leave him alone. Al Capone was buried at Mount Caramel Carmel, Carmel, Carmel. Cemetery. It's said that he sometimes appears to the disrespectful visitors who come by to visit his family's plot. You also have heard that the Vegas Mob Museum, which is our spooky traveler destination spot for the day, um, is also haunted, although I haven't really seen anything like it, and I'll have to look into it more. But if it is, we'll probably cover it on a more Vegasy episode. This mm-hmm. is Chicago based. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. The Mob Museum is located in downtown Las Vegas. It is a nonprofit organization that showcases the history of organized crime in America. We picked it specifically for this episode of Mob Madness. Even uh, though it's not. No. <laughs> we picked it specifically for this episode because of its relation to Al Capone and the brick wall and all those good things. Um, and because 
one of the exhibits at the museum is also the St. Valentine's Day Massacre Wall, which I just said. And now I'm reading it. So (laughs) you're welcome for repeating myself. Um, Like the legit wall that Tay described, like it's put up like brick by brick. It has the bullet holes and everything. And I've seen it. It does exist. It's an actual wall. Are there any missing bricks from it? I don't recall there being any missing bricks. There might have been. If there are, they might be on the end. Yeah, that's I'm fair. Sure. Uh, despite the reviews we're going to share, the Mob Museum is a must-see for true crime fans or mob fans, whatever. True. Especially if you have a real flair for history and museums. It's literally three, four, flo- blah, 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 blah. <laughs> three floors of organized crime history that features the tales of every major player in mob history on both sides of the FBI and the mob. Plus, the underground, uh, a speakeasy and distillery in the basement, which is pretty friggin' cool. I, ha- I didn't go to the underground, though. What? We, I, we must that- have been there. I'm not sure why we didn't go. We were going somewhere else after uh, that. We didn't really have the time. Fair enough. But yeah. It's located at 300 Stewart Avenue, just off Fremont Street, and you can get yourself a ticket for as little as $30 U.S., Overall, on TripAdvisor, it has a rating of 4.5 out of 5. Also, their website says, quote, do some time downtown. Like jail? Yes. <laughs> I, yeah. It took me a minute. I was kind of like trying to read it, and then I was trying to read ahead while I was speaking. It didn't yeah, work very well. That's fair. <laughs> that's totally We have fair. a few reviews here for you. May 1787 says... I am an avid museum goer. I'm pretty sure that's not May's birth year. I just want to say that. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it is, that's pretty freaking impressive. <coughs> She's a ghost. I love museums and was excited about this premise. Unfortunately, I thought it as awful. There are hardly any actual historical items and mostly just boards to read. It's all stuff I already knew from curiously reading about Board it online or in books. What? You have to read shit? So weird. I don't understand the rave reviews. I paid $25 for something I could have learned for free. You know what's really funny to me? This is what gets me. The same thing happens with podcasting because people comment like, you guys are just reading stuff we can find on the internet. Where are we supposed to get information that you can't find on the internet? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to call the mobsters up. Excuse me. This Al Capone's saves you. Grandchild. Can I do an interview with you about Al Capone? Also, I don't I, have time like that. I think Taylor usually crafts it into a pretty entertaining script. So I think yeah. what people don't realize is, for the most part, what you pay for is the aggregation of that content and present it to you in a certain format. Yeah. Or don't pay it's for the it. It's the presentation. Like yeah. It's you pay money because you don't have to go find that from individual sources. Yeah. Just and just like podcasting, like you exactly. can come and listen to this about the St. Valentine's Day massacre, for example. And it's the important facts that we've picked out. So you're not yeah. sifting through all the other shit yeah. that isn't as important. There is literally nothing that we've told you today that you cannot find on the internet. And any Where other else day. are we supposed but to do our research? Exactly. Duh. Well, some's from books and stuff, but you can find that yeah, on the internet it's too. On the internet, yeah. Ebooks, like whatever. The, but the thing is, you don't have to, by listening to an episode of this podcast or any podcast, you don't have to go find that information. Museums work the same Where way. Where you would spend hours like exactly. researching it and, and if you want to you still can however museums same idea they put it all together in one neat little package for you and usually it's an interesting display so yeah. but like, yes there's a ton of reading at the mom museum stop being such like <laughs> yeah. negative nellies don't go to museums if you don't like to read yeah that's literally most of what you do you read and you look at shit Mm-hmm. Jordy Lad 2013 <laughs> says 20- also probably not his birthday. <laughs> probably not. It was probably like the year that he created that username. Twenty four dollars for a lot of reading. If you can get close <laughs> enough to read it, save your money and buy a book, then watch Casino instead, or also get some glasses. Movie, by the way, <sighs> Cool Geek 2013. <laughs> Maybe a friend of Jordy Lad's. They might have went together. Maybe. If you grew up in the flyover states or perhaps deep inside a cave, you might find this place <laughs> interesting. 
but you'll definitely find it overpriced given the limited content. Otherwise, if you're at all familiar with the Mafia or grew up in Chi-Town or the Northeast, you'll be bored to tears by the cursory treatment most topics receive. And finally, we have TRN81. Where do I start? Cost, $24 to get in. They said they spent 42 mil on this. Really? Probably closer to 42,000. <laughs> there is no flow to the sequence in the place. The exhibits are all in a narrow hallway, so you're stuck going at the speed of everyone else. I don't know. It just seemed like a story told bad and not set up well. Very disappointed. Ooh, if you don't want to pay, if you want a discount on the tickets, if you go like one or two hours before close, you don't have time to actually like finish the museum unless you read really fucking fast. But you can go and look through at a discounted price if you just want to check it out without, and you're not interested in like taking everything in. If you just want to check out the Tommy gun and wander through and see some old pictures. I love old pictures. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite things. Me too. Um, I can't remember what the pr- ticket price off is, but it's actually a really good deal. Like the last hour, an hour and a half or whatever. Just call them and ask. They'll tell you what you can get for a deal. Or go check out the underground. All right. That's it for this week. Um, <laughs> if you <laughs> want to hang these with us online, you can go, you can find us at the Lady Dicks. At all of your favorite social media things. we I mostly only play on Twitter and Instagram because Facebook sucks. Yeah. Um, and theladydicks.com. Yeah, you can go to ladydicks.com to find out information about us or the episodes or just see what episodes Which, FYI, our bios are pretty outdated, possibly. Actually, we need to talk about that because we need to update them. Uh, um, possibly they are. <laughs> not, not possibly. Um, you can check out information about us or actually, I'm also going to be posting like information like there's a thing for season three like the launch information mm-hmm. and when the season's actually running so if you want information about it does not tell you what episode's coming next because we don't release that shit um but if you want to know when we're taking breaks and stuff you can find that online um just so that people make the podcast a little bit more predictable because sometimes we're not <laughs> and that's my fault and i don't care yeah i, I gotta mean. run a, i got a business to run um <laughs> And, and this ain't it. Yeah, sadly, this is not it. One day, maybe. Yeah. I would really like it to be hit, hit, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Cool. Catch us next time. And in the meantime, try not to ghost anyone.